Well, I am absolutely thrilled to have Jordan Weicker back today, Doctor of Physical Therapy. Jordan, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about incontinence, what incontinence is, what causes it, the different types of incontinence, how many people this is affected by, what are long-term effects if we don't get treatment, and then some universal tips that we can start using today. Fantastic. Hello, friends. It's Missy, and this is my podcast. This is me at 50. Let's chat about what it looks like and feels like to go from your best life in your 40s to an even better life in your 50s while navigating hormones, perimenopause, and menopause. Let's talk about finding balance over perfection, nourishing your body in the role nutrition plays, healthy movement, who you should surround yourself with and why that matters. Anxiety, hot flashes, concentration, focus, sleep, cooking, relationships and friends, all the things. This is me at 50. Alrighty, so I am really, really happy that you are back because after your first episode, I had so many people reaching out to me saying, Missy, I didn't realize this was a problem. Missy, I didn't realize this was something I didn't have to live with. And I had people telling me, Missy, is this is this what we're talking about when I'm jumping on the trampoline and I feel like I'm going to pee my pants? So tell me, is this what we're talking about? Yes, this is exactly what we're talking about. So that that urinary leaking, that urine leaking is what is called incontinence. Um, so a little bit about that, I think what it's what's helpful to look at is what is continence versus incontinence. So a little bit of background of how our bodies work. Um, continence is that ability to hold in our urine and it's a coordination of our bladder, urethra, sphincter, our pelvic floor, and the nervous system. So like our box, we have a whole nother system that we want to work together. The pelvic floor works in supporting this system. When we're going throughout our day, having our fluids, digesting, we're making urine and that gets filled into our bladder. So our bladder has to relax in order for it to fill. The sphincter and the urethra have to contract to hold that in in order for us to get to an appropriate place to go to the bathroom. And the pelvic floor helps in supporting that. So if there is an imbalance of your box, and I guess if you don't know what that means, maybe go back and listen to our first pelvic floor podcast. But um, if you have that um, incoordination, that lack of coordination of the pelvic floor support system for that, you can have urinary leaking then when we don't want to be leaking. Excellent. So what are some of the causes of incontinence? Yeah, there's quite a few different causes for incontinence. One can be um, due to the actual neurological difficulties or damage. If we think of spinal cord injuries or traumatic brain injuries on that way, we can have a disconnect with how the nervous system actually allows the system to coordinate. Another one can be direct mechanical trauma, um, pressure trauma from vaginal deliveries, assisted deliveries, forceps, and um, that type of nature, as well as age can be a risk factor, um, obesity, menopause, other trauma, um, or even infections of the bladder, like having frequent UTIs. 
that can be another mm-hmm. cause of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I've heard you say um, you've used different terms for incontinence. So can you tell us more about maybe the different types or if there's categories, how that all works? Yes, yes. So the different types of, of leaking, um, there's, you could argue there's three, four, maybe five, depending on maybe where you're looking at. But um, one of the most common um, is our stress incontinence, which is an increase in our intra-abdominal pressure. Our pelvic floor needs to respond to that. When it fails from that stress of the pressure, we leak. So stress in that system, stress on the top of the box, the pelvic floor has to contract. If it fails, we leak. And that, that force can be anything from coughing, laughing, sneezing, jumping, lifting something heavy, um, like picking up your grandkids. Um, It can be from um, hiking, something simple as just an added quick force that we would hope would naturally hold our urine in, but it is not in this case. Um, I think it's interesting that it's like 50% of women um, below the age of 65 even describe having instances of stress incontinence. So I think we think that this can be higher prevalence with um, being postmenopausal, but there is a high instance of this even occurring before. And I think a large majority of that can be due to pregnancy. If you think baby's growing, there's more pressure then on the bladder, more pressure. If the pelvic floor doesn't have that strength, it's going to fail and have urine leaking with that. Okay. Okay. So stress incontinence, that one kind of resonates with me. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and for me, it's the the sneezing and the jumping and the coughing. So yeah, that completely makes sense. Are there other, you said there were maybe three or four. So what are some other categories? Yeah. yeah another one is urge incontinence. And I hear this one a lot. Um, that is that feeling of, I have to go to the bathroom right now. And if I don't go right now, I'm going to pee my pants. Or it can even be, I have to go so bad, I finally get to the bathroom and now I can't calm down enough to even unbutton my pants to sit down. Um, This is one that can be due to a link in our nervous system in a reflex. So I kind of touched on the bladder has to fill in order for us to get that sensation of needing to go to the bathroom. And um, this, you also could argue, we have three, maybe four different internal alarm systems for when our bladder is filling. So I like my analogies. If you imagine we're on a road trip, um, you are driving and you're like, okay, I may have to go to the bathroom. Can we look for a rest stop in an hour? Right, that should be like the first alarm of our bladder. I've filled up to a certain point. I need to go, but it's not urgent. The next phase is, okay, can we look for the next exit? It's filling more. I need to go sooner. That third or fourth, again, depending on what research you're looking at, um, will say, I need you to pull over the car right now because I'm not going to make it, right? So Mm -hmm. the reflex, that's, that's that reflex with the nervous system of the bladder filling. So if that reflex is off, that third alarm of, pull over the car now is happening really when that first alarm should be going off that I could go maybe an hour or so, but it's feeling like the holy cow, this is an emergency. Um, We can actually train our body to 
accidentally do this. So this can also be if it's the end of your work day. I've done this to myself on accident where it's the end of my work day. I always go to the bathroom before I have before I leave for my drive home. Um, and so then my body kind of anticipates that it's my end of the day. Now it sets off that reflex. Oh, you have to go to the bathroom where maybe I, I don't have to. It's kind of like that Pavlov's dog. You ring the bell, the dog salivates for the treat. Um, we can train our body that way. Um, some people say they get it really that strong urgency when they get their car in their driveway because they know now I'm home. Now I have the ability to go. Um, and so they can't hold it in and you can have so that that's that's another one. you can have leaking in that sense. So that's our urge incontinence. And then our third is a mix of those. You can have both of those together. And so some people will say, oh, I actually do have a little bit of that. I I might leak a little bit when I cough and sneeze. I have to cross my legs to cough and sneeze. Um, and then I do get that sense of urgency when I really have to go to the bathroom. And so those are both pelvic floor issues, um, but they have different causes. So if you think, well, I do my, my Kegels, my pelvic floor exercises, but it's not changing. It can be because that it might not be the actual underlying issue. Um, I frequently too get asked about um, frequent urination. Um, so needing to urinate frequently throughout the day that can sometimes be this urgency, this false filling of the bladder, um, changing that reflex into thinking that I have to go when I don't really need to, or I try to go to the bathroom and I can't fully release, or I feel like I don't, I barely release because I only had a little bit come out. Um, we can also have overflow incontinence, which is a little bit of dribbling that's frequent. Um, I see the, this a lot more in the males who come to me for pelvic floor um, due to enlarged prostates. There's something physically pressing on the bladder, so it's always leaking a little bit. Um, and then our, our last one, a functional incontinence, another type of incontinence. This can be due to physical or mental impairments that, that limits you from being able to go to the bathroom. Like you have arthritis, it's really hard to unbutton your pants, so then you leak because you didn't have that ability. or Maybe you're bound to the wheelchair and it's really hard to get my transfer so I don't have that strength and then I have incontinence that way. So it might not be a strength of the pelvic floor or the reflex, but another um, physical or mental um, difficulty that is causing incontinence. Fabulous. That was a lot of information. There's a lot of information, <laughs> but it all makes sense to me. Every single one of them makes sense. I think the thing for me is understanding the cause is different. Yeah. And that's where you come in because you can really help a person determine what's the actual root cause of the problem. And then you can work towards solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And that stress incontinence, that pressure buildup, like I, I see this as well. If we think, okay, I just don't have that strength, right? That makes sense. Stress incontinence is the one where I don't have the strength to hold against that pressure. Um, you and I were just talking to a friend and they had said, well, I could potentially have a tight pelvic floor. And that in itself will also cause a lot of these issues as well. Not having that full ability to move our box in coordination of each other. And then that can cause a stress incontinence. That alone could cause an urge continence with it. So yes, very much can be a wide variety of causes for very similar symptoms. I think that's 
Fascinating. Are there any others? I feel like there's so many already. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, I can get anything from um, having frequent urinations during the night, um, going to the bathroom. That's called um, nocturnal neuritis. Fun, fun word maybe for your next Wordle game. <laughs> but, um, you can also have um, incontinence with um, in, um, during intercourse, and that can be more of a penetration or a weakness or tr that's direct trauma um, to a pelvic floor if you have tight pelvic floor tightness of the muscles. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. So I was, I was very surprised how many people came up to me after they heard the first episode and said, Missy, like this, this spoke to me or, you know, there was, this was something I've been experiencing. So is this, I mean, how large is this? Is this a significant issue for a lot of people? Yes. Yes. It, it is surprising. It's a fourth of women have type of urinary incontinence, one of those types that I talked about. Um, and there's research that's showing that only 20% of that fourth actually seek out any type of health help. And if you look at both men and women together, it's guessed with a couple of um, research studies out there that one in three people will have a type of incontinence. So one in three people, that's, that's a very large amount of people. And I think it so much just gets brushed under the rug of, well, this is happening to my body now. So it's just something that I'm going to have to live with. Um, I think as well, um, female athletes, even as young as prepubescent, 10, preteens, 13, going all the way into um, collegiate athletes, CrossFit athletes, high, high prevalence of urinary incontinence. And I think it stems into the, we don't get training for our pelvic floor. There's not that machine at the gym for our pelvic floor. Um, we do, we work on core a lot of the times, but it might not be that supportive core that's needed. And I think especially young females who are going through puberty and hormone changes, that changes how well the muscles and ligaments go together. Um, if we think about menopause, um, having less estrogen then, we know that that prevalence then gets really high because estrogen is the good, good cells that allows for our muscles to grow. It allows for um, the lining of the um, bladder as well as those sphincters to be strong. So having less of that means that those muscles are not going to be as strong. Um, the bladder itself is not going to be as strong. So if we don't put forth an effort in keeping it healthy, keeping it strong, it's going to be affecting more and more people just because naturally within our body, those tissue cells are different. I think that also to me was very surprising. To be honest, I really hadn't thought about adolescence. I really hadn't thought about yeah. how this would apply to young people as well. And it completely makes sense when you talk about it and, you know, the fact that they're growing and developing. And if we're not growing and developing all of those muscles as well and and the ability for all of our box, right, to yeah. be supported properly. Absolutely. And then that just sets them up to possibly have lifelong issues with this. Yeah. You have prepubescent teens, poor pelvic control. Then if you have children, 
you have trauma to the pelvic floor, and then menopause, you have change in your cell structure, just that naturally happens. And then you just have one thing after another after another, and just it never being addressed. And it can then lead up to other difficulties. Um, I think if we're thinking about long-term effects of this not not changing, um, I know especially with women, um, there's a lot of research that links it to social isolation, um, people who are getting more um, physiologically distressed, um, not going out, that leads to major depression. Um, there's it's a, a, a statistic out there that shows that you have the increased risk of stay in a long-term residential care. So not being able to be independent in your home um, as long. And then more serious medical conditions, if we can think of perineal rashes, pressure ulcers, um, longer UTIs. And we know in older adults, those UTIs cause um, memory, dementia. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things that this can lead to if it's just never addressed. And I, I think about older adults when I um, was doing some of my training um, in school when we were going to skilled nursing facilities, long-term cares, like a lot of these things, some of these other isolation things that kept these people away, could that have potentially been changed if just some of this stuff was known? I mean, it would probably is a small piece, but it is a piece that if we're talking about quality of life, I think is a good piece to look at. Absolutely. Anything with quality of life is always important. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, nobody nobody wants to live where they feel shame or embarrassed mm -hmm. or uncomfortable. And so um, absolutely not getting it taken care of. I can see how it could spill over into so many different areas. So, yeah. uh, so okay, so what does one do? What can we do? <laughs> it's always right. What are we going to do? What's the solution? Yeah. Well, I think one... Talking about it with other people is fantastic. I mean, like what you said and what you're promoting with, with this whole podcast in mm -hmm. itself. I mean, more people are saying, oh my gosh, that did resonate with me. Or I have a lot of patients who come to me and they said, I didn't realize how easy this was to change. Now I'm telling all of my friends. I have friends now coming to you. So I think that in itself, just knowledge is power. Knowing about it, sharing about it is power. But if we're thinking about what we can change today, right? Thinking about, okay, I am peeing my pants. I can't get to the bathroom in time. What can I do? So um, one of my favorite tricks that I always talk about with some of my patients um, is when you have that strong urgency, what we want to do is drop everything and run to the bathroom. That actually is helping promote that reflex. Um, so what you would want to do is stop your activity, take deep breaths, try to kind of snooze the alarm of that of that bladder filling. Um, if you do heel raises very slowly, so going up under your toes and down or curl your toes, that actually does a little trick with the nervous system and actually can cause that alarm system to calm down. It's really cool research. The nerve that goes to your feet also comes from the pelvic floor. So there are some like foot things that you can do to help strengthen your pelvic floor, like the curl towing to help decrease some of the urge incontinence. <laughs> um, another one, staying hydrated. A lot of people will say that, well, if I am peeing my pants, I stop drinking water. Um, we shouldn't stop drinking water. That can cause the incontinence to worsen because then when you are then drinking water, the bladder doesn't know what to do. It's like, whoa, all the water came and now I'm 
I'm, I'm full to the max. Um, normal urination should be every two to five hours, four to seven times a day. So if you're thinking you're drinking water throughout the day and I went seven times today, that's actually a very normal amount to go. Um, another one, bladder irritants, um, being mindful of bladder irritants like coffee, um, pop, alcohol, tobacco, those things are going to cause, can cause more of that need to go to the restroom. So if you, I have my coffee and then I have my pop in the day and then at end my night with a, with a, a nice mixer, you're putting bladder irritants throughout your day with that. I also would suggest try to not go to the bathroom just in case. Um, that can trip the alarm of our bladder saying, oh, this means that I am full and I need to go. Um, and so it can cause that, that difficulty of the bladder knowing if I'm full or not. Um, we talked about the last podcast as well, as well as avoiding constipation. Pelvic floor goes with our bowels. So if we can avoid constipation, that's also going to help with some incontinence. And then um, lastly, toileting, going to the bathroom. We talked a little bit about how often you should go four to seven times a day. Um, we should be going for um, eight to 10 seconds at a time. So if you're noticing it's less than that, that might be your bladder telling you, oh, I actually wasn't full and I didn't actually have to go. That was a false alarm. Um, also, I would suggest to not stop your stream of urine or trying to do Kegel exercises. Some people will say, oh, I like to do those together. I know then that I'm doing my Kegels. That actually can um, cause more incontinence as well. Oh, so actually don't stop. Just let it go. Let, let it go. It, let it go. Don't push it it's out. It's those darn Kegels. Everybody <laughs> just needs to stop doing their Kegels, right? Yes. That can be like the, the mission statement. <laughs> Consult your pelvic floor therapist before doing Kegels. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So this was phenomenal. So um, if people have more questions, how can they reach you? How yeah. can they find you? Yes, I'm downtown West Bend. We're in the West Bend Medical Building. I'm with PT Plus. Um, we're private practice, physical therapy clinic. Um, my email is j-w-e-y-k-e-r at ptplus.com. You can email me questions if you have. Um, our phone number is on our website. Our website is ptplus.com. Um, you can call the clinic if you feel like something in here resonated with you and you want to get um, a pelvic floor assessment. I'd be happy to do that for you. Wonderful. Thank you again. Very informational. This is absolutely incredible information. I can't thank you enough. Now you're coming back, right? You're yes. going to come back and talk more. So um, can you give us a little like sneak peek at some of the future topics that we get to hear from you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm really excited to talk more about that estrogen piece with menopause and how that changes our muscles and how we should be strength training or running or exercise in general. What does that actually look like? Um, Premenopausal, postmenopausal, all the things. Oh, you're speaking to me. <laughs> I love that. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so very much. I appreciate it. More wonderful information. I think that we can all take away fantastic 
information and we're just going to have the healthiest public floors around. This is fabulous. So thank you so much. Of have course. a great night. And that's a wrap, my friends. I hope this was a helpful episode for you. If you liked what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you decided to share it with a friend or even on your social media if you think there's something in it that might be helpful for someone else. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to leave a positive review and rating. Until next time, my friend, I wish you all the best life has to offer. Make it a great day. This episode was sponsored by the Downtown West Bend Association. The Downtown West Bend Association is a nonprofit organization that focuses on preserving and revitalizing downtown West Bend. Their goal is to help support local businesses and enhance the community while creating fun and exciting events that highlight what makes downtown West Bend so special. Visit their website at Downtown West Bend for more information and a list of upcoming events.